Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome. This is another episode of the Government Coins Podcast, season four, episode eight. This is insane. So we have Kizzy Parker here and Parks here today to go over government contracting, winning, winning in the federal contracting space, and to tell us all about her experience and her journey and some tips and tricks to really get contracts in this space. I know a lot of people who have started and stopped and started and stopped, but the goal now is to listen to this episode so you can start and keep on going and flourishing. So thank you so much, Kizzy, for joining. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'm I'm excited to get into this. You know, we in the government contracting or just influencer or social media space you run across certain people and you're like oh I like exactly what they're doing I love that um and you also can really tell when people know like their information so I wanted to immediately reach out and connect and just say okay let's get you on the podcast to talk about some of the work that you are doing so I wanted to just hop into that question like tell us a little bit about yourself like we are very inquisitive over here <laughs> okay good and i mean and likewise with the noticing i'm excited to be here so uh, i was a grad student and i worked at patrick air force base and i was actually working for this researcher okay so it was not a government employee didn't serve in the military none of that so I'm just working there. I just was working there to make some money before figuring out what I was going to do to get my big girl job. So I'm walking down the hall and the director of research, he like popped out and he's like, Kizzy, I heard you're graduating soon. And I was really taken aback because he, he was the director of research. I was just Kizzy Parks at the time. I didn't even know that he knew my name. And he's, and he's like, what's it going to take? How much? Give me a number. And we're in the middle of the hall with these low level cubicles. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the moment where I'm negotiating this salary thing or negotiating whatever a contractor means. I don't even know what this means. So I threw out a number, which was like a little less than a hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, okay, this is great. This is awesome. I'm going to have my assistant contact you. And that was the day 15 years ago where I started off as a subcontractor. And during that time, it was predominantly me. I provided diversity and inclusion services such as research, thought leadership. I have a book. I was part of the uh, National Guard Joint Diversity Military Leadership um, Groups. I was part of the um, Military Leadership Commission. I got a coin for that. I got tons of coins for all a ton years of diversity work. And finally, some mentors really helped out. And most importantly, I listened to their advice eventually. And so now we have over 100 people with my different companies. Okay, so that's another part. You have multiple different companies. Can you tell us about your companies and some of the work in the industries that you're currently operating in? Yes. So the flagship company, KPC, 
we are predominantly federal government. So we took what I call this expertise route of diversity and inclusion, all diversity and inclusion, and really expanded to being an entrepreneur. So now we provide staffing for the state of Florida, we're subbed on a contract. We provide religious staffing to the Army and the Air Force. We provide inspection services for the FDA. We provide training. We provide graphic designers. We have probably 50 different labor categories we offer just to the federal government. That's what we predominantly do. And then my other government contracting companies, they're joint ventures. So I'm either the majority owner or the minority owner of those companies. So that's a, a big thing within itself, focusing in the space of staffing. Um, was that a part of, you would say, a part of the initial DEI work that you were doing? It was nowhere on my radar. <laughs> I literally was just focused on, oh, I just want to, oh, I get paid. The government pays for this. And I'm a subcontractor. I got to figure out invoicing and all of this. I was just focused on that, like finding a husband, paying my bills and living my best life. That's what I was focused on. There was no business plan. There was no like, oh, I'm in it. There was none of that. There was a lot of Kizzy, this is what you should do. And Kizzy, this is what you should do, which probably your viewers and your audience can relate to. There was lots of this is what you should do. But I was still figuring out. I'm still figuring out things. Of course. And so during that journey, I was like, well, what do I really want to do? And I was involved. I loved just living my best life. So the staffing piece didn't happen until 2013. Got it. Okay. Okay. And now in addition to doing that work and running both of those businesses, you also have a program called GovCon Winners. Yes. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I'd love to tell you about it. So like when we, it was like right around lockdown time and maybe a little after when places were opening, right? I was on Clubhouse. I was on Clubhouse and I would see these rooms and hear these people talking about like government contracting. But the way that they spoke, I was like, this is weird because by that time, I had already pivoted from diversity inclusion to a multitude of areas. So we have touch points in Department of Defense, federal agencies, all different types of agencies. We have some type of, of a touch point or footprint. So I'm listening to these, these people speak and I'm like, oh my gosh, this I've never heard anyone in government contracting speak like this. And my mentor, she sold our company for $10 million. And, you know, I've, I've come across people who are executives with fortune 500 companies. And, you know, we have a relationship with IBM. And, and so I was just like, there's something off here. Then I got this, like, I was getting these emails and phone calls of people. Hey, I can get you work. You should pay me. I'm going to do this consulting for you. And I was like, well, I, hold up. I said, how, how are you going to give me work? Well, you're graduating 8A. Okay, so you're in 8A with past performance? No. I, I was like, well, where, what is this, where is this coming from? Oh, well, I took this course and they said that people like you would pay me like $5,000 or pay me a fee. I was like, look, 
I'm not saying that people will or won't do these things, but I'm not doing that. I said, what is the value that you're offering me? And I just felt really bad because I could tell they genuinely believed that was how they were going to create wealth and financial freedom. And they genuinely believed the answer was cold calling businesses and trying to connect them in a space that really they just probably learned about not too long ago. And it's not taking away from that approach. And I'm not saying that this doesn't exist. It's just that I was like, this is not what I'm seeing. You know, one thing most people don't realize is Orlando is known for more than Mickey Mouse. Orlando is also a huge government contracting area, huge, huge government contracting area. I met throughout my 15 years, people who went from being one person to hundreds of people. I came across people who went from having an 8A and graduating early because they made so much money. I came across so many different types of entrepreneurs and none of them went that route. None of them, none of them. And so I was like, man, something's not right. Let me let me go out there and, and maybe offer some training or I don't really know. I'm like, I mean, at least we, I'm like, I need this to stop because this is this is not right. And it's great for the people who are selling and hustling the thing. But for the person who genuinely believes, oh, this is how I obtain financial freedom. I'm just going to cold call do these things. I was like, no. So I started posting on LinkedIn different kind of shorts. Uh, eventually I created, actually about a year ago, I created my YouTube channel and started posting on there and people would just ask, do you have a course? Do you have coaching? And I had one client who paid me five figures for like three months of work. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, people really pay for this. This is amazing because I practice and not just with GovCon winners, but with all my companies, we sell the idea. You never build it first, never, never, ever, ever. And so we provide the lean startup and uh, method. We provide it, we adhere to it. We're all about that. So keeping with that, I was like, okay, well, this has been a nice little beta. This company purchased some services and let me go from there and figure it out. So today I offer a, a live course on Mondays. Uh, you get a lot, you get me, you get my coaching, you get help with proposals. I mean, you get access to me via text message. You get a lot because I'm also figuring out what I like to do and what I want to do. And, and this is where I am right now. This is where I land, but I also have a high ticket client too, my $350,000 client where you get me exclusively for an entire year. So I must say, that this journey has taken me from experiencing all that's out there to being able to help people with mindset, being government ready, and really understanding what it takes to find, bid, and win profitable, profitable contracts. Now, I love that. And I, I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, I see it often on that same token. And usually try to talk around that and say uh this is for the business owners who are trying to scale their business not you know I understand it and it can be an avenue and opportunity but you really and truly want to make sure that you have experienced this space prior to doing that because 
you can read as many articles. The same thing that worked for one person is not going to work for every single person. So thank you for sharing that and sharing about the work that you're doing with GovCon winners. Can you share a little bit more about how to uh, find out more information about it? Yeah, just go to govconwinners.com, sign up for the wait list. Or if you, you just want to fast track, you're like, I don't want to do all of that. Then you can go to close contracts for cash. It's a cool little, little uh, PDF there. You can buy for $7. I mean, $7 <laughs> is like Starbucks drink. And close you can purchase <laughs> that to help avoid losing $100,000. So close contracts for cash, govconwinners.com. Check it out, reach out. My team will be in contact with you. Okay. Now, before we ever get to like outside of that aspect of it, um, you so, so many contractors have a hard time with pricing. In this course, do you assist with pricing? And can you also give us some pricing strategies? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to break down pricing because okay. when, I, like, when I first started out, I was a subcontractor. So I didn't know. I just knew I submitted an invoice and eventually they would pay me. That's all I really knew. I had no idea. And here is, here's what I have learned and what I cover. And that is you have, so keep in mind, you have organizations that exist to help with pricing. That's what they do. So they may have algorithms, who knows AI, that's what they do. And then with billion dollar companies, they have pricing experts. I'll never forget a company reached out about firefighters in Brevard County, which is where Patrick Space Force is. I had no idea that firefighters were government contractors often. I didn't know that. I thought they worked for a city or county or state. And for that opportunity, they're like, you know, the contract is up and we want to partner with somebody like you because you're in the Brevard area. So I was like, okay. And on <laughs> pretty much every one of their phone calls was this price master. I'm just gonna call her price master. Man, she was cutthroat. And it was all about maximizing their profit while providing the pricing that would allow them to win which at the end of the day would have led to some tough decisions being made about existing firefighters they probably wouldn't have a job anymore because who are you going to pay more to a new firefighter or somebody with 20 years of experience but you know one of the biggest takeaways with that Two, one, we didn't end up partnering with them because I didn't like that approach and that didn't feel good and that's not why I'm in business. Number two, the seriousness of pricing. Now, even if it's just you or it's you and a few people or it's you and a hundred people, just keep in mind that you're still competing against somebody with that mentality or that type of setup where they have this price master who's all about, we got a price to win, price to win. So what does that mean and how have I helped and, and how do we go about that? One is, and, and it's a website that I love that you posted before, and it's a GSA website where you can go and you can see the labor pricing for those who have a GSA schedule. So one, first and foremost, before we even jump into that, 
you have to ask yourself, what are the evaluation criteria? And you're going to hear me talk about that a lot. That's number one. So whether it's services or you're looking to flip TVs, what is the evaluation criteria? If the evaluation criteria is lowest cost, technically acceptable, you literally have to have the lowest cost. So what often will happen is you have to back in your expenses if you're going to win. But before that, you have to accept it. That's why the mindset piece is so important because if you if the thought is, well, I'm gonna add my 20 and add this, you can add all you want and you ain't gonna win. And that's cool, but you're not gonna win. So you have to accept it. You know, going back to the example I gave, they accepted it. For us to win and make money, we're gonna have to lay off seasoned firefighters. I mean, so that's number one. What's the evaluation criteria? Number two, are you accepting what the evaluation criteria is? If you're accepting it, then we're moving to number three. Number three is you got to do some research. So before we even go into what's your expense, what again, we got to do research. Think about Amazon. There was a company called diapers.com and they were kind of undercutting them on diapers. Amazon started undercutting them even further to make a point. You're not to mess with Amazon. And then you know what Amazon did? They bought them. That's again how fierce this is. So doing research, what that means is once you've decided, hey, I wanna go after these professional services opportunities or the staffing or the televisions or the drum set, whatever it is, next thing I like to do is I will ask the following to the point of contact. So this is for a solicitation. And this is not, not necessarily off of dibs or off of GAO. This is SAM.gov, Unison, uh, perhaps FedConnect. You're going to ask, is there, an, is there an incumbent? If so, what is the contract number? You always wanna ask that, point blank. Sometimes they've already provided it, sometimes they haven't. But by you knowing that answer, now you have a baseline. Right. Amazon knew what diapers cost, but when diapers.com came in, it's like, oh, man, now we got to go lower. You're not going to even know where to price, even if price isn't part of the evaluation criteria. If you don't even know what they paid in the past, if they paid twenty thousand dollars in the past, but you think, oh, five thousand dollars going back to limited mindset, then you're losing all this money. You're leaving money on the table. And that's not the point. So you're going to do that. Next is simultaneously, you're doing research. You're looking online and you can do this for free using Google. There are paid sites like GovWin and GovTribe that are a little more sophisticated. Um, FPDS is an option, SAM.gov is an option where you can see what has an agency paid for something similar. So let's say it's Army and you're, you're bidding on fencing material. And perhaps they're like, we've never purchased this in the past. There's no incumbent. And you're like, well, I don't even know what to charge. This company's telling me it's $50,000. Is that right? I don't know. Do I mark it up 40%? Because that's what I heard I do. And if it's lowest cost technically acceptable, you got to get more quotes, get more price quotes, as well as go online to see what is the Air Force paid for fencing materials? What is the USDA? What is FDA? What have they paid for fencing materials? so that you have an understanding of, oh, okay, this is in the ballpark, it's not in the ballpark. 
Next thing is on the services side, you can look online and you can take a look at companies existing contracting vehicles and their pricing. There's a website you can go to to take a look at that. Also, you can even just Google GSA and go into their catalog and look that way. What's nice is it gives you an idea. Just keep in mind that while those prices are there, it it doesn't mean that's exactly the price. But again, it, now you have a baseline. Now you're like, okay, it's kind of like price is right. And you're trying to guess the price. Like you're kind of within that range now. You're like, okay, now, now I know what I'm dealing with. I know what I'm dealing with. Uh, another thing that uh, I teach and we I offer all my amazing GovCon winner students, and that is a um, pricing template. So this is predominantly for when you're involving labor. So if you're to, for instance, there's this opportunity right now with the VA, it's one full-time equivalent. And so you may think, oh, okay, that's, don't want to start slow. A lot of people think that uh, I, that sounds reasonable. I'm service disabled. Let's say that you are. I'm not. I'm just saying I'm going to bid on it. This is great. Okay. You have to pay them an hourly rate. You have to factor in any kind of payroll fees, right? My business is based out of Florida. I have employees throughout the United States, including Hawaii. We're paying the different taxes and fees, not only at the state level, we had it, we had an employee once that lived in Pennsylvania and there was this random like county tax they had. It was very unique to them. So then on top of that, are you offering benefits? Are you matching 401k? Do you have, is this um, opportunity include the Services Act where you have to add in that 480? So now you're thinking, oh, this is great oh my gosh, I'm gonna be able to do this. I, I think this is the, I've looked online and this company is charging $55 an hour. I'm gonna do that too. Uh, is it really gonna cost you $55 an hour? And so this spreadsheet has all of that listed there in addition to profit, general administrative, all of that. So you now have an idea of what you should actually charge as your billable rate, right? Because while you must understand what are your expenses, what are you gonna pay the person, you, you definitely gotta understand all of that. But most importantly, you need to understand what does it take to win? If it's lowest cost, you're gonna have to back things in because I always share this with people. And this is super important. And it took me a while to get to this. And that is when you have the work, it's way easier to get people to do it than when you don't have the work. When you say, oh, well, you know, we might hire for a nurse or I might need some people to help me with fencing materials. They roll their eyes. Yeah, sure. Whatever. You're just like everybody else. But when you say, oh, no, no, look, I just got this contract. Look, you can see it on GovTribe. I'm, I'm ready to pay. I, and it's like, oh, oh, you got to work now. OK, there's money. Right. You perk up. And so it gives you more power because after all, you are an entrepreneur. You're a business owner. So you are the one leading and steering everything, not all the people over here. So those are some ways. There's other things that we do too, depending on the type of opportunity or the type of project, uh, but those are the ways. Oh, I do have a bonus. May I throw in a bonus one? Okay. Yeah. 
Let's turn and throw okay. in a bonus. <laughs> I'm going to throw in a bonus one. This, this one is one of my favorites because companies, it, it, and, and also I, I know it's a little controversial, so I'm going to put this out there. Before I say this, yes, I am very well aware that some states or cities may have a law around that you have to disclose what some position pays. I'm just saying that because not everybody follows that. I'm just saying that this, that's my disclaimer. That's my disclaimer there. One way we like to find out what's going on is because you learn your competition and you also have an idea of what that company is going to charge is you put in, you can cut and paste information from the, the uh, RFP, even at the state level and see if you see any job openings. So if you see so-and-so group is looking for secretary three for the state of Mississippi and you're like, that's it. And they're like, oh, well, we're gonna pay $13 an hour. Now I already know because typically labor rates are doubled. So I'm like, okay, if they're paying $13 an hour, they're probably gonna charge $26 an hour for this position. So now I already know. And then if you wanted to go a step further, you could have somebody apply for the job. I'm just saying, these are what companies I know of have done. I, I, I mean, I'm just keeping it real. I'm not saying to, you should do this. I'm just letting you know, again, the level and the extent that companies go to, to win work is mind blowing. And a lot of it, I don't even share online. It's the applying for the job for me. Like, goodness, that's, <laughs> that is dedication on a different level. Um, okay, so let's hop into another part of it. And thank you for that. I know people are really going to appreciate those, those pricing tips and um, as to be to get the pricing spreadsheet, uh, they would need to be a part of GovCon winner. So definitely y'all, I don't know about you, but uh, I might have to slide over there. Um, the other part is how can new businesses share their past performance? Oh, oh I love it. <laughs> I love this one because you know everyone else is like past performance, past performance, all about past performance. I got to get past performance. You don't need past performance unless it is required in the opportunity. So we got to take a step back and go to first and foremost, anytime you look at anything, I don't care where it is, where it's located, which platform, how are they basing their judgment of this? What is the criteria? And pretty much most of the opportunities will list what's called BOA, basis of award, evaluation criteria. They list something. So if it says, and it's what I consider low risk, and it says lowest cost technically acceptable, there you go. They have just said to you, we don't care about experience. They've just told you. They just told you. Right? It's like when you're thirsty. I was leaving a Lizzo concert last night and I'm in Chicago. So I'm leaving, I'm with my brother. And he was like, oh, wow, look, they got the little, the little items out here in the little roadie sodies. I was like, what? And they had all these tables of dudes selling like little liquor bottles and mixers and coolers. And this is by the United Center. So I'm sober. So, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago would have been a different story. So I was just like, wow, this is bold. And lots of people are buying it. They're like, oh, get a drink on your way home because you're going, it's going to take a minute before you can leave. So in that kind of situation, a person may say, 
Yes, this guy is right. I should buy from a complete stranger some mixed drink products and go about my business. So when you're kind of in the moment or you're desperate or you're thirsty, you're going to do it, right? Because this kind of, it seems like low risk. Like the bottles are sealed. He's outside United Center. There's no police and it's a Lizzo concert, right? So you may go ahead and make that purchase. Government kind of thinks that too, right? Low risk. We don't need past performance. How are you going to mess up this, mess up this FTE? How are you going to mess up the tree trimming, right? It may seem like an awkward example, but I promise you it, it works. And so with those kind of situations, those are perfect because if you're willing to go out there and work your numbers, then you can win work and don't have to worry so much about past performance. Another example is government purchasing office. I had a gentleman by his first name is Steve come and talk to my amazing students about how he in a few months ended up getting $100,000 in business from GPO. He signed up for GPO. Most of the opportunities he gets from get this Alibaba. So he sources it from Alibaba, mm -hmm. which people use Alibaba on Amazon all the time. And then he's selling it to the government. And so do they, do they need experience? No. I think some of the opportunities they may ask for an image and they also published the pricing of what they paid for their opportunities. So then you know, Oh, if I'm going to bid on these bags for the army that they want, they want a thousand of these. Oh, this is what they paid in the past. Okay, let me see what I can do so I can win. And at the most, there might be 20 companies bidding. I've Some people have said there's 400,000 companies in Sam.gov. I don't know how many is in there, but that sounds like a lot. So to go from whatever that is to 30, I'll take that any day. So when it comes to, yeah, so when it comes to proposals, first and foremost, it's about what's the evaluation criteria. If it's pricing, I mean, and experience, you asked about experience. If it's about pricing as low as cost, you don't have to worry about experience. Now, sometimes people worry about experience because it's a trust issue. It goes back to mindset, right? Because it's, you, you're not sure, you don't really know, and you want some kind of experience. And we make the mistake of saying, I just want something small. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. Small things, in my opinion, I've found in over 15 years are way more challenging than bigger contracts. So let that go. If you want experience, okay, go and get experience. So th those are what I call mid-level, mid-level risk opportunities where they may say, we need a past performance questionnaire. We need three references. We need pictures or we need curriculum or we need an agenda. So in those situations, depending, you can rely on the past performance of someone that you're partnering with potentially, right? Potentially. If it's tree trimming, there's a gentleman who I coach and he had bid on this tree trimming work in Pensacola. And they asked for three examples of just past performance, but it was very vague. And so he had one example and then, excuse me, because I helped him write the proposal because that's part of what comes along with my package. The other two examples came from the company he was partnering with. They didn't blink an eye because at the end of the day, it was lowest cost. Although the, the contract award was for $1.4 million. 
So that's the other misnomer. Oh, I need past performance. I need past experience because I'm not going to be able to get anything big without it. Not at all. It's all about the risk level to the government. Right. That's why you're not going to see the guys with the roadie sodies outside the White House. They're not going to sell that outside the White House. That's a risk. Not doing that. United Center in Chicago. Apparently that's OK. So when it comes to things that are really high level risk or like a contract vehicle like Oasis Plus, HCATS, GSA schedule, then they're going to ask for hey, I need to see evidence that you have past performance. So for instance, with the contract vehicle Oasis Plus, it's all about, you have to have contracts that like are a million dollars, million dollars and more. These aren't things that you can just finagle or you know create. These are things you have to show. So for those of you who are like, okay, got it, but still I wanna know how do I get past performance? Uh, Cause I get it, that's a lot of attention is on that. So to get the past performance it's by partnering with someone where you offer value going back to when i was at patrick i offered value that's why they asked if i would subcontract there was a value add there if you're offering value your value could be your connections it could be your experience it could be that you're super low with your rates it could be where you're located. It could be that you're in the process of getting your hub zone or your 8A or your SDVOSB. There's gotta be a value add there because why else would somebody want to partner with you, right? Think about how we are as people. What we like to do is take people out of pain. If somebody's hurt, help me, help me. Oh my gosh, you know, as long as it ain't like Miami Beach, no, I ain't doing that. But other than that, cause I live in Miami Beach, but normally, if somebody's like in pain, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, OK, call an ambulance. Something's happening. Or you may some. Hey, can you guys call 911 from afar? You want to help them. But if somebody comes up to you and is like, hey, uh, I want to give you a hundred dollar bill, you'd be like ah, scammer. Because when somebody's trying to bring you into joy, bring you into some kind of blessing, we all get freaked out. So when it comes to partnering, there's got to be a value there. And then normally the taking out of pain is. They want to help you because you're normally new. Hey, I'm new to this. Oh, let me help you. Right? We want to help you. We want to take you out of pain. And so these are things to put out there. Hey, I'm new. I'm looking for experience. Here's what I have to offer, as well as you need to have that clear understanding of how you can offer something to another company. It's not just because you exist. There's lots of us out there. We're all replaceable. We are. There's thousands and thousands of companies. Now, that's a really good point. And I honestly will say I've never focused on playing into like a new, I'm new into the space. Um, but that is a really good point. I'm, I'm always shocked in terms of the number of people who want to help you just because. Like, I think that is one thing that we don't consider. And you really don't sit back and take like a look at it. Uh, is often either like people really and genuinely do want to help some people wants to help but it got to be some money attached to it of course and that's their business model you know the that's how they operate absolutely nothing wrong with that um but some businesses will just partner with you 
to help you get to this space through the next stage. And that's a good point. I want to kind of, this isn't like a part of what we were talking about at all, but as a 8A business, um, how does that process usually work? Do you get a lot of businesses reaching out to connect and partner with you as an 8A business? So, um, Yes. When, <laughs> when I first got my 8A, I since graduated, but I have an 8A joint venture with a woman who I mentor. Uh, and I have a great video on my channel with Leilani. You'll see it. It's, it's up there. It's a great video on my channel. So when I first got my 8A, I had no idea. I had no idea of the power and what I was able to just even do with it. It was, I was advised to get it for an existing client to be able to have the easy button to easily contract with me. So as soon as I got it, one to two years in, everybody wanted to buy my business, which you would think normally you would be like, oh, that's exciting. That's a good thing. It was, it was like, it didn't feel right. I was questioning like, I'm like, I've been doing this for like two seconds and now you wanna buy my business? I had no idea. So in the very beginning, I received lots of business offers. You know, it was like when you lose weight because I've lost in 70, 100 pounds is the amount of weight I've lost throughout my life. And when you lose that weight, then all of a sudden everybody wants to get with you. It's like that, like, oh, oh, like, oh and you're like- Like y'all said back then, they watch. <laughs> Right. They didn't want you back then. It was like, oh, I see how it is. No, don't work like that. Sorry. No. But it was the same thing where it's like, oh, they didn't. And I'm like, no, this doesn't feel right. Like, where you didn't, you weren't here before when I was still Dr. Parks, but now I got an A day. Now you want to buy my business? Please, no. So that happened in the beginning. And then when I was closer to graduating, I got that, oh, I'm going to help you get contracts and business because I took a course. Then I was like, no, you're not because bless your heart. Uh, and then in between, I found a mentor who I knew was an 8A and who I knew had grown her business significantly. So she had grown her business to about 20, 22 million a year, and she was in the Orlando area. So I reached out to her and we ended up forming two joint ventures that we still have to this day. And I learned a lot from her. So what ended up happening was I was able to get this nice official mentorship through the, the um, SBA mentor protege program. That was a nice thing that has come out of it. Since graduating and just evolving as a business owner, learning, growing, I am able to significantly help who I'm mentoring right now with our 8A joint venture because now I really get it. And it's it's a bit unfortunate because it's a nine-year program and I've kind of come across some articles in which there's this little chatter that they may extend it, which I really hope that they do because at that point in time, I was not who I am as an entrepreneur. And, you're, and the same goes for you, we evolve. And it's so it was a great program. It was really helpful. But I'll say this, the vast majority of people who have an eight day set aside never get a contract. They never do. There was a time my SBA office. Well, it's still in Miami, but they were definitely in Miami at the time. 
And I remember we had received our very first eight day set aside. And this was within, oh my goodness, probably within a year or less than a year. It was like for a little less than a million dollars. And I recall the office was like, oh my gosh, Kizzy, we use your capability statement and we talk about your firm all the time. And, and I was taken aback because at that time I lived in Melbourne, Florida. And now I get it because so many people, you put in the time, you put in the energy, maybe you even pay someone to get you the set aside because someone has said to you, it's gonna just rain all over you. Government just wants to give you contracts or I've straight up had people ask me, oh, are you in government contracting because they give black people contracts? I was like, "Where? what? The only place I know giving black people money is California. That's and the only place. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, where are you, where does this come from? So it doesn't happen, but I get it. You know, people spin things and do that. So an 8A is a license. Many people shared this with me and, and I put it out there, whether you're into hunting or not, it's, a, it's like a hunting license. Just cause you get your hunting license doesn't mean you're getting any deer in Michigan. And the same thing goes for the 8A. So that's why having a strategy is key. And by working with a coach, it speeds up your process. You don't gotta work with anybody, but having a strategy is key because not only do you have many who don't get a contract, I would say the reason many don't get a contract is because the vast majority of 8A work, it's sole sourced y'all, it's sole sourced. So if they don't know you, they don't like you, they don't trust you, how are they going to give you a contract? When you have people over here, you have native Hawaiian companies over here buying up eight days to flip them to native Hawaiian and they can get a hundred million dollars sole source because they understand the game and 50 million sole source or 25 sole source from federal. Because they understand the game. And I have people over here so concerned about, do I subcontract or not? Listen, this is a billions upon billions of dollars are here. And so what's key is understanding that strategy mindset, because there's way too much money out here and too many amazing things you can do. That's true. And one thing I definitely, anytime someone brings up 8A, a lot of businesses who are new in the space, I always make sure I say learn government contracting before getting that 8A. Like that program is only so long. When you get in there, you want to hit the ground running. So take this, look, in, look into it. But if you are not in a space or if you're in a space where you're still learning about the government contracting as a whole, put it on your vision board. That's something that you want to achieve in this amount of time. Like, And I always say, we don't even have our 8A. I'm not waiting until we get into a space to where I know we've got all of the relationships solidified. Here, we're 8A. Here, we're 8A. Boom, boom, boom. Moving that way. Do not go and get it just so you can sit on your hands. That's the right. Part. You can only do this one Do time. not. <laughs> go ahead. Right. In, unless, and so, you know, I commend you for doing that because it takes a lot to postpone. Our world is now, and I, and I know I'm a now person. I want everything like yesterday. I'm so impatient. So I mean, <laughs> I ain't gonna try and blame it on the world. It's me, I know I want it all now. But 
you know, it's, it's good to postpone. And so the, the thing is with the 8A, I mean, I've had it happen. People reach out, hey, I have an 8A because they have a successful business. And I'm like, okay, well, how many 8A contracts do you have? Uh, none. Okay, how long have you been in the 8A program? A year and a half. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so it's great to take your time. There are little advanced techniques that I talk about and cover with my students on ways to prolong your A day, but those are, those are some interesting techniques that I've been learning. Uh, and there's also joint ventures. So even if you're not in A day, there's a potential, again, going back to your value add, where it may make sense for you to joint venture with an A day. Maybe you have a security clearance and they don't. Maybe you have some type of specialty like cyber or what may have you or a patent or whatever it is. Again, as long as there's that value add, someone's going to raise their hand and say, okay, let's do it. Let's get married because we're here to make money. And that's the whole point of joint venture is to make money. Yeah, I like that. And that 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 kind of segues into another part that I wanted to talk about with you. Um, mostly, you know, I see your content and it's heavily government contracting, but you do a lot of business strategy, telling your story and things like that. Let's talk about storytelling for a moment as it relates to government contracting work. Um, how do you, I guess I would say, mesh the two? or communicate your business and your story effectively to an agency? <laughs> now, okay. I like to think I'm effective because I've won work, but there, so here, let me, let me, let me take a step back. Let me take a step back, y'all. So I'm just so excited. My hair is extra popping here in Chicago. Listen, like, yeah. new curls is curling, okay? Curls are getting it today. Yeah, Curls are getting it. So- And that lighting. First thing in front of a window? I know. Oh, and wow. my ring light. Okay. I got both. I travel with my ring light, you know. So uh, the <laughs> before, like, before I even go into storytelling, it's like a like a woo-saw you have to have. This is important you gotta have with yourself. You gotta ask yourself, either in your phone with the, or in your mirror, wherever. How do people receive me? You have to ask yourself that. How do people receive me? Who receives me better? Who receives me best? Third, what can I do to elevate how people receive me so that they receive me and they want to give me work? They want to give me contracts. They want to give me sole sources and or they just want to give me a chance. These three things are really important. So personally, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know this. And I'll, I'll, for instance, I don't always connect best with people from like Baltimore and DC, females. I just don't, I just, sometimes I don't. And, and I get it because I am my dad's daughter. I'm, I'm Arthur Park's daughter. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, lots of masculine energy here. And so I get it, right? And so I'm very well aware of that and how I have come across. Also, those were early days. I would say today it's way better, but I'm very well aware of that. So I have Lori Davis, who's our director of getting things done. Lori Davis can get, she 
is amazing with everyone. So I know if there are particular agencies or clients or there's something we want to do in that area, that's Lori all day, every day. Plus, she's from D.C. Her father actually helped start one of the first black banks in D.C. And so that's Lori all day, every day. Men. Oh, girl, men love me. Hey. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I, you know, again, and I also understand because I'm very Arthur Parks, like, I know this, but I got a man. I'm not here to try to touch anybody. I know what is going on in my life. You know, so I know if you're a man, I may be able to get a contract from you. And I also know if you're a certain type of man, oh, I'm getting a contract from you. I also know if you've seen a video of me or we're zooming, oh, I'm getting a contract from you and you're a man and it's just you and you're the key decision maker. So I'm very well aware of, okay, that audience and then different kinds of men and women, all of that different personalities. I'll just kind of bunch them over here. So again, before I go into here are the steps for storytelling or how to create this, what do they always teach you? You got to know your audience and you got to know yourself. That's part of this journey. So if I know, okay, I'm going to meet with a agency. Here's a good one. There's this gentleman. Uh, this is with the Navy. There's this gentleman with the Navy and he had mentioned where he was located. So when I'm going to have a capability brief, whether it's in person, online, I like to incorporate stories and feelings because what I have observed is most people are very serious. Here's my company, boop, here's my next slide, boop, here's how great we are, boop, and and it's like and there's a time and place for that, but when you're first getting to know somebody, no different than when you're dating. I I don't want to know about what you do at like Charles Schwab or like your degree. I, I want to get to know you. I don't I don't need to know all of this. So I'm speaking to this gentleman and I'll share a little bit. Hey, I started out at Patrick. I started out as a student. It was just me. Now this is what I've built. And what I also like to do is there's two parts relating to them, understanding how they are, how they come across, where they fit, right? If I know dude, then it's like, okay, are we video or not video? What's going on with this guy? The other piece is I take the situation action result with every single example I give. Hey, you know, we have this work with the FDA and, and with this work, we have to hire inspectors, but here's the deal. Not anyone can be an inspector. So for this contract that we've had for almost five years, somebody has to be a state level employee. Not only have to be a state level employee, but they also have to want to make extra money. So a lot of these people are firefighters, police who want to make extra money. So as a result of hiring for inspectors all across America in a very short window of time in weeks, I mean, in days, not months or weeks, we have really fine tuned our um, selection process. So we have this mission impact process. So now we've been able to go from 10 inspectors to well over 25 inspectors. The agency loves us. They actually just posted an article about how we were able to help them with some regulation issues. So again, now I'm doing situation action result by telling the story. 
not, well, we have this contract with the FDA and there's 25 this and new and judicial and they're going to be like, okay, blah. You got to connect no different than social media. We connect with certain people on social media because of their story. Like I love, oh my God, I love Cardi B so much. Like, and one of the, one of the main reasons I connect with Cardi B is in her, in one of her mixtapes, she has a song and she talks about being a victim of domestic abuse. And I'll never forget that because that shows her level of vulnerability. It shows just so much about her. And I was like, oh my God, I have so much respect for somebody who out the gate is you have this out there. And so that's what people remember. They remember you being vulnerable. They remember the story. They remember how they make you feel. So when I'm speaking with an agency, I keep that in mind. That's why I'm all about situation action result as well as the person. The other part is relating to them. So this particular person with the Navy is in Indiana. And I think he was in, he's like near Bloomington. Well, being a Midwesterner, I lived in Indiana, lived in Evansville, Indiana. And so then it's, oh my gosh, you're in Indiana. I live in Evansville, Indiana. And then I lived in, Vin I used to go to Vincennes. All so it's like, now we're connecting. So it doesn't mean that this is going to lead to a contract. It's just, you've gone from, okay, another, here's another government contractor trying to bother me about a contract to, oh, wow, she's kind of cool. You know, she, she has this connection to Indiana and, oh, wow. She talked about how they're really good with staffing. So that may be, that may come in handy. But also keeping in mind the person, if I'm talking to somebody who's very like, hey, this is what we're about, da, 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 I'm not going to go into some elaborate story. I'm hitting the high points. Then it's more, okay, we have this contract. We did this. We did this. Okay, great. How do you guys, then it's way more of that because you also want to match them. You want to match them, how they are, their personality, as well as going in with an object, ob objective because often it's, oh, when you're telling these stories or you're meeting with the government, it's about you and you, it's about them. It's asking a lot of questions. You know, I'm just curious, Tom, just throwing out a name. You know, do, do you guys really work with new government contractors? Like I know, like I came across this executive order that says they're really emphasizing working with new government contractors, but Tom, I, I'm, do you really do that? That's a fair question. Because if they say to you, <laughs> okay, you already know, don't try and work with them. But if they're like, yes, we actually do, you know, just recently we awarded a contract to a new government contracting, then you're like, oh, okay, ask a question like that. Do you, are there certain contract vehicles you all use? If they start labeling, listing, yup, these are, this is how we buy, and you're like, I don't know what any of that means. Move on next again it's like dating it's like they're married i mean unless you're down for that no you're moving on right and so you want to also ask do you typically post all of your opportunities on sam.gov or where do you post these opportunities what do you look for in a vendor you know if you had a magic wand what would you like a vendor to do to have to be Feel free to ask it. What, you know, how long have you worked at this agency? Why do you work at this agency? Because most people are not asking these questions. Again, they're doing what everybody else is telling them to do. And that's cool. 
but that's not what gets you work. I spoke to a gentleman, he's a Hawaiian, um, native Hawaiian organization. He was like, yeah, Kizzy, I'm talking to this agency. We've had several phone calls and we're gonna get a $50 million contract. And I was like, wow, because they're getting to know him. He's not over there like, this is how great we are. And I served in the military. Like these things may have come up, but it's when you approach people where they are and you realize they just have a job to do, like they're just trying to get somebody to do the thing that they're trying to buy, then it helps release all of that. Because then otherwise you're gonna get so caught up in trying to memorize a story or present yourself a certain way. And especially us small businesses, they buy from us because of who we are, who you are. That's why they buy from us. If they want a big conglomerate, they're going to go full and open, or they're going to set it, or they're going to go Alaska Native or Native Hawaiian. With a small business, they're getting you. There's something about you. Maybe it's because you served in the military. Maybe it's because where your kids went to school. Maybe it's because you played football. Maybe it's because you got amazing hair. Who knows? Maybe because you live in DC and they live in DC and y'all are cousins and you didn't even know it. Doesn't matter. It's you. So it's accepting who you are, putting that out there, asking the questions, using that situation, action, result, and you're going to you're, you're going to succeed. Because especially with set-asides, it's not the competitive unless it's small business set-aside. But for hub zones, A days, SDVOSBs, you want sole sources all day, every day. Okay. Now, here's another one. This is going to be our last question, so we can go ahead and wrap up. Um, and this one is pertaining to writing proposals. Um, can you give us some feedback or some strategies for writing proposals? Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you quickly. One, if this is something like off of DIBS or GAO, I mean, GPO, Government Publishing, I always want to say GAO, Government Publishing Office, if this is something where they're like, they need a price quote. What's important there is you do your research and you have a clear understanding of what they paid in the past. That's what matters most. Okay, that's what matters. When it comes to, let's say it's meaty, it's like a low risk to a, a, a mid risk, meaning you're going to have to give them more than just it's $20,000, right? Or it's 2 million or it's 20 million. You're going to have to put in more work. First and foremost, what's important is that you create a capability, I mean, a proposal matrix. I like to use Word documents. That's what my team uses. You can use an Excel sheet. And what you are doing and the purpose of this is to identify all of the requirements of the bid. This applies to state, local, federal, probably even if you're bidding on things in other countries. So for instance, you always begin with the evaluation criteria. And so I'm going into this piece, assuming you can already win this because here's the problem that I come across quite often. I can do the work, you know, I'm this diversity and inclusion expert, I can do all this, I've been doing it, I got all this experience, I can do this work. One of the evaluation criteria is provide resumes of your team, provide um, past performance questionnaires, provide in detail your approach to diversity and inclusion statistics for the Bureau of Science, I'm just making things up, right? And, and then you're like, what uh i i you're not gonna win 
you're not going to win. Or if they say something like, you know, we, re we would like for the senior diversity consultant to have five years experience with uh, National Science Foundation. <laughs> it, it's like a man who perform, prefers blondes. Are we going to do dye your hair blonde? No, please don't do that. So let's say you've already gone through it. You're like, oh, I can, I can definitely win it. I have a chance here. Great. So in the proposal matrix, you want to identify what are the evaluation criteria. So you have a, you have a, a category there. And then you list what the evaluation criteria are in order. Next, you have another column categories of what are the requirements for the actual proposal. So it could be single space, double space, one inch margins. It could be, it can be no more than five pages. Whatever those things are, maybe they have asked you for, maybe they've informed you because this has happened they're going to do a Zoom with you or a Teams. Maybe that's part of it. I just responded to something recently where there's like three phases. And so they're going to shortlist you. And this is for a federal agency. So identify all of those. Next, you do what's called templating. So the first page is always a cover page. So you have your cover page. The next page should be either your cover letter or table of contents, you can swap them, it's up to you. Then the third page typically is about you. And when I say about you, it's whoever the team is. If it's you or you and four companies, it's about you. Then the rest of your document is set up according to what the evaluation criteria are and what the requirements are for the actual documents. So for instance, if it says volume one, please provide three examples of past performance. We want their name, contracting officer, um, email, summary, you know, did it require bonding? Bam, volume one, and you literally answer every one of those questions. That's the other thing about government contracting. Listen, y'all. This is where like, like going back to school kicks in when they're like, every day you recite this and you stand in a line. This is where you got to follow instructions or any of the songs like follow the leader, you know, this is when the follow the leader song should kick in follow, follow, follow the leader. You got to follow the leader. You got to listen to those instructions. You must do it. So if it says that's what they want, that's literally what you put there. And then if it says volume two, we want to know your staffing approach. This is when I want you to think about SATs and writing class. They're not looking for, oh, well, we're going to use a staffing company and we're going to fill the positions and this is what we're going to do. No, they're wanting like a very detailed answer. And I know it's also hard because I've been in that position where you're like, oh, but this is it because you don't have anything to compare it to. And that's the other beauty of working with me. You get a whole plethora of templates and I have templates for sale. You can contact me and I, I'll you know, sell you our proposal templates. Because once you see it, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's what they wanted? Yes, if they ask you about your phase in approach, 
it's not, oh, we're going to win the work and bring all the people over. That's phasing in. I've seen some phasing approaches are five pages. <laughs> and it's it's like you, you got to put that in there. So it's, again, having that proposal matrix, cover page, cover letter, table of contents about us, and then you set it up according to the requirement as well as according to the evaluation criteria. If it says evaluation criteria number one, it's your approach to staffing and how you will be able to meet the requirement that your team is available 24 hours a day and that you provide examples of how you've done that. I saw that recently in some geospatial opportunity um, that this company I, I spoke to came across. And I emphasized that with them. I said, they're looking for detail, not just, oh yeah, we did this before in the past. They wanna know how, right? This goes back to situation, action, result. Here's the situation. This is what we did. Like you're outlining the process as if you're speaking to a seven-year-old. And then you have to also put in the result because they may read it and say, okay, well, that's great. You told us that you can do this, but how do we know if it works? We don't know. And so that's what's needed often, especially if it's a mid-level, mid-risk or high-risk level opportunity. They're looking for so much detail and information because that's how they're able to decipher, you know what, we trust them because it's mid and high risk. It's not, we don't care. We don't care if you got experience. Then clearly they don't care. But in other opportunities, they do. And also keep in mind, every proposal is different. So while you have your boilerplate or your template, that's why creating the proposal matrix every single time is important so you know where to plug and play. Some may ask for a proof of insurance, some may not. Some I've seen have asked for like your profit and loss. I even once had an agency ask me for my DUNS report before I would get a contract with them. And so does it make it right? Does it make it wrong? Who knows? You are the entrepreneur. You get to make that decision. Is it worth my time and energy to go after it? That's why it's important to know what you can win. And that's why I love coaching and mentoring on all of this, because that is what is key. Okay, y'all got that. She broke down the entire proposal process, like literally from start to finish. Kizzy, I don't know where to start and say thank you for joining us today. Uh, this was such a great episode. I've dropped a bunch of notes in the chat along with your websites. How can people connect with you and follow you? You can reach out on Instagram, Kizzy and Parks. You can reach out through govcomewinners.com. And when you do, I'll invite you to my amazing Facebook group. I have my YouTube channel, Kizzy and Parks. I'm blonde. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I've had people reach out to me on Twitter. I'm not trying to give you too many choices, but make the choice that works best for you. And typically you're going to get me. It's going to be yours truly that reaches out. I may connect you with Melody, my ops lead, but you will get me. Okay, y'all heard that. I've actually dropped a, all of these links in the chat. So in the comment section on YouTube, 
So go to the, if you're listening to this, go to YouTube, type in Kizzy Parks, K-I-Z-Z-Y, P-A-R-K, don't forget the S, okay? And um, make sure you go in, subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out the videos. Don't forget to check out our, our, our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you do that. In the meantime, y'all, it has been real. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kizzy. Uh, I look forward to continuing to communicate and possibly working on some stuff soon. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you to your amazing audience. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. All right.